There's just too many comics. There's no time for a witty intro. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. Are you? Is this? Did you? Is this real life? Did, I understand there's a lot of comics, but you can't just do that. Just did it. Look at look at that. We're starting it afresh. No, I'll go. I'll start over. Pretend you never even started this episode. Oh my goodness, there's so many comics to read. I guess we don't have time for an intro. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin in stereo. I cannot believe you. you know, it's getting worse and worse. What do you mean? I just like to keep you on your toes. I just like to make sure you're paying attention. This is robbery. I like to boil your blood a little bit, get you fired up before we talk about the mutants. It worked. I'm all fired up. Hey, I'm angry now. Well, if you're so angry, can you still give me the rundown of what we're talking yeah, all right. We're talking about X-Men Unlimited. Number 43? Number 43. Not number 44, which came out on Monday, today. Which I read accidentally. Oopsies. Ahead of the game. Uh, Eve of Judgment, number one. Kicking off Judgment Day. Marauders, number four. Mm. Wolverine, a.k.a. Deadpool, number 23. And New Mutants, number 27. But before that... But before that, it's it's time for... The News! Namor, often referred to as the first mutant. He's been popping up a lot in the last few days. A new series written by Christopher Cantwell. There are a few articles on Marvel's website talking about his history and that of Atlantis. And I was on Graham Elkin Lane's trial of Namor this weekend getting... To dive into the depths that are his continuity history. Woohoo, exciting stuff. Watch out, he's coming back. Ablantis is here to stay. Namor Cosplay on Instagram said, It is the season or the time of Namor. Namor's time has come. He's yeah. very excited. Well, supposedly he's rumored to be in Black Panther 2. Yeah, so get ready for it. Rumors all around with those mutants. Here, there, and everywhere. Hey, Marvel Unlimited has 30 free comics for them hitting 30,000 comics. Wow. If you don't subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, they're trying to change that by sucking you in with some new entryway points. After hitting 30,000 comics in their database, Marvel Unlimited is letting non-subscribers read 30 jumping on points. So these are 30 starts to a run or starts to a series that you then, how are you going to read? Then you're hooked. How are you going to read that and not want to continue? They know what they're doing. Yeah. You give them a little bit for free dirty, and then they come back to you. Dirty, sneaky pants. So the X-Men lineup yeah. announced, discussed. I, I realized we didn't really talk about our thoughts on the team other than that we had seen a lot of these members coming. So I went on a character-by-character character rant and opened up the conversation on Instagram. Not only how people felt about the team roster, which by our vote, 47% love it, 8% hate it, and 44% chose meh, which is I don't know, it's kind of I promising. I feel like I would choose meh. Meh. I mean, I don't know. I really am excited about some of the people on it. That's what I saw before I even posted anything about it, was that people were excited about individual members or they hated it outright. And I hadn't <laughs> really seen a whole lot of people love it. So I was, I was happy to see that many people love excited it. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially with the idea that it's, potentially changing up so frequently you can't you, you can't okay. be that upset we'll, like we'll see you next be June. A new team real soon right so then on the the next day i asked 
if you could remove one member and add one more, who would they be? Yeah, I saw some of those responses. That was an awesome conversation. And just dumping on Alex Summers. Nobody, Nobody wants havoc on the team. So many people. And for all sorts of substitutes, a resounding number of votes for Monet, M, Penance. Call her any name you want. Just get her on the team. Either taking his spot or Firestar's. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people that we interact with were Team Monet. Sure, sure. So that's that's for sure. But also, I don't know, the fact that everybody is hating on Alex kind of makes me want him on the team more. <laughs> like, I feel like he always gets, you know, the Shafted. short stick, you know? he's He's always down he's always sad he's yeah. never thriving so I mean, let's hope that he gets something positive on being on the x-men and and hope that it's not just a retread of alex is crazy and unstable like we got in hellions right and and i don't want to see like alex trying to be cyclops or like living in the shadow of his brother i'd like this to be an opportunity for him to i don't know come into his own a little maybe finish his degree oh god <laughs> I hope that does not happen. I bet it will. Boo. Is there anyone that you're like super excited about or not at all excited about on the roster? Give you kind of the reaction time to process. Magic Firestar. Magic you're really excited about. Firestar you're not excited about. Well, actually, I have mixed feelings. I said that answer really quickly because I love magic, but I really like what's happening with magic in the New Mutant story. Sure. Yeah, that's been a lot of reaction that she's been getting a great character love in that arc. But I also, so I don't want to see her having this great arc and then get kind of like pushed to the side in the X-Men book. Yeah. Um, but I just, I really like her as a character. So I'm excited about that. I am also excited about Iceman because he's been, you know, going on his journey to discover his the omega-ness of his power. So hopefully seeing that a little bit more. And Firestar, it's mostly just because I just don't understand the the choice or even why she was put in the vote. Yeah. Like why why was she a candidate? And and the I don't know, she doesn't seem very excited about it either. So that it's like it's kind of like, you know, what I tell people in rehearsal or like a performance situation. Like if you're not excited about what you're doing, then the people watching you or the audience is not going to be excited about what you're doing. Yep. So Firestar being miserable about being on the team is just making those of us who didn't vote for her feel more upset that she's on the team. Like at least if you're going to get it, like be happy about it, you sure. know, like even if her, it's fake. Right. You know? Right. But just seeing her be like, oh, I don't really want to do this. Mm. Like it's like, OK, well, we didn't really want you there. So. What's, what are you doing? <laughs> Go away. She's got the little cop angle, you know? The spy yeah, the for the Avengers. spy angle, which makes it worse. Yeah. It's almost... It, Jerry did not want her on the team and yeah, was well. very clear about that. I don't know why she was then an option if he vehemently did not want her on the team. Somebody at Marvel really likes her. But it also seems like, yeah, we had this one thread for Gentle. If it doesn't work for Gentle, maybe we could do it for Firestar. Ugh. Yeah, well, we'll see what we see when we see it. So you're you're meh. I guess I'm meh. Is there- I mean, honestly, like the only person on the team that I'm not super thrilled about is Firestar. The rest of the team, I think, is good. So you're thrilled about Cyclops? No. <laughs> okay, just had to sneak that in. No, he was already there though. 
But like I feel like it's going to be a good team. Yeah. I feel you know. I did see the um the suggestion one of the someone suggested swapping out magic for blink. Yeah. A couple and I people was did like, actually. That would be cool because Blink hasn't really had any action at all and Magic has got stuff going. Like they could take Magic in another direction. Sure. The thing that I'm most interested about with Magic is her relationship with Cyclops Mm -hmm. and how that has been budding in their captain's roles and what that means for a council team versus X-Men team. Because I feel like that's part of that conversation. And... What I'm really excited about with this is just how much is threaded into each character's story already, and we haven't even had issue one. Yeah, but she also has that kind of budding relationship with Bishop as well. Could be, yeah. And and Bishop is kind of sticking it to the council, so I feel like maybe then the three of them could have something going on. Like I think even though Bishop isn't on the team, if there is an X-Men v. the council situation, mm-hmm. I think Bishop will be involved in that. I mean, he's the captain commander now, right? Got to be. Got to be. Speaking of our Hellfire Gala episode, for some reason, it only initially uploaded half of it. So if you were listening and it stopped mid-sentence around 57 minutes, we've got a full episode up now. There's more. It was infuriating. I don't know why that happened because it was the same episode. I just swapped it out and... For some reason, it fully uploaded this time. The demons in the internet said, no, you shall be thwarted. We also have a couple of questions that came in after the fact. If we just talk about Hellfire Gala a little bit more. I know we have a ton of comics to get to afterwards. That's all right. Let's do it. But Rufy O'Connor, Michael, loving the revelations and the drama. That's why we love the X-Men, the soap opera. But poor Proteus. Everything that happened with him and Moira. I know. I mean, that's a lot to get dumped on you. Yeah. Okay, one... The reason you exist. One, you're my mother, and you're not dead, and you hate me, and you're using me for destruction, and I'm just... I'm not here for it. You're a tool. We created you. You never loved me. Well, he said it's kind of scary how the heroes seem to be moving towards seeing the X-Men as antagonists. Are we seeing the return of the Illuminati, but against the mutants? War of X, anyone? Mm. Here for walks, let me tell you. Oh, God. He's got to make a thing out of every, <laughs> oh, come everything. Come on, come on. Hawks, pox, other ones we won't say. Cox. <sighs> the Illuminati has been loosely forming in the background of every Hellfire Gala now. Right? Mm. The The just... You can't sit with us. Namor's coming over into this little circle. And then now Reed and Tony are on their own thing. Today I made an X-Men joke in rehearsal and um, nobody got it. So we we were like talking about two circles. One's an inside circle and one's an outside circle. And mm-hmm. Leah was like, the inner circle, come over here. And I was like, which one's Emma Frost? And then nobody laughed and i was like oh this is the wrong crowd for this <laughs> i like that you tried though i gave it a valiant effort yeah <laughs> i'm red x baby has some choice words for tony f off with his illuminati vibes that's and right try harder on the wardrobe that's right was not impressed with the suit that's i approve this message yeah. you have the alicia stamp of approval f off tony stark guy's a billionaire he can't come in with a nice suit oh because it was a it was like a Last iron suit so he could turn into an Iron Man. That's what he kind of said when he was getting right. ready. But right, like, right. get... Bleh. The tuxedo suit. Just 
bring some fashion, hire a designer, get it together. Even Captain America came with a look. And they both came back last minute. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's always ragging on Captain America for just wanting to be in like sweatpants. So Yeah. P-Stamp is really bummed out by the new team. Hashtag justice for Rogue. Mm. And I'd agree of anybody on that lineup from year one. What was she doing? She was in like three panels. The most action she got was hopefully where her story goes next with destiny and the questions around what's happening in the future. Yeah, I feel like with what they're setting up with destiny and everything that's happening with Gambit, I feel like it's not like Rogue's going to go to the background. Sure, sure. Polaris might disappear for a little bit. But not Rogue. Mike Loves Mariah Carey wants to know who is in jail for killing mutants that will be released with all sorts of question marks and exclamation points. Because that's ridiculous. Yeah, but also aren't all the people who kill mutants also still running around free? Sure, right. So that's a good question. We're not going to imprison our heroes. I am not qualified to answer that question because I don't know who's been killing mutants throughout history. Sure, yeah. I mean, the big names are still out and about or floating in space. Henry Peter Gyrick. Yeah. Interesting. And the Berlin callback. It's a little Berlin situation with Spider-Man and Wolverine that references a, I think it was Spider-Man versus Wolverine number one from the mid to late 80s. Gotta love a throwback. Barusu33 thought it was amazing to see Emma's vulnerability when she sleeps shows the depth of her character. And that was a smooth transition to Immortal X-Men as we had that last question for that issue. But I, I couldn't agree more. This was a great Emma issue slash week fans to really understand what's going on inside her mind even if the middle section of her issue got taken over by sinister right i just think it's an interesting you know her her power and her personality or her i don't know her inner self they they relate really well like this idea that she puts on her diamond form to preserve herself you know also plays into this idea that you know a strong beautiful woman is going to get more attention so she has to preserve that as almost a way to keep herself at the forefront of you know any situation or Mm. the forefront of people's minds or maybe she just thinks that you know but just i i agree i think it was a nice glimpse into her character yeah and we hardly ever get that much internal monologue Mm. In modern comics. Yeah. But it seems like this, the Immortal X-Men run has that's, that as that's a, the place that's for That's a theme, yeah. right? You know, you get into your narrator. You have hope being the start of a cheesy sitcom. It's like, yeah, that's me. It's very Grey's Anatomy. You know, like every episode begins and ends with an, a monologue by Meredith Grey. Or it, it sometimes is a different character. But it's like, we're going to set you up for the kind of themes we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to wrap those themes back up at the end of the episode. You want to talk about poor Banshee? Because he just can't get a break. Ah, oh, Banshee. We're talking well, X-Men. Unli- talk about him? Well, we're talking about X-Men Unlimited number 43. And he woke up on fire. Yeah, but he's all right. He didn't die like Beak did. Sure. He got this this mutant language left him before his death. Yeah. And and Warlock tried to suffocate him so that it didn't come out of his face. Which is interesting, right? Because we learn that the mutant language travels from person to person in order to actually save the people. It's just his way of getting to Doug. Mm-hmm. But 
so Warlock holding him in was actually hurting Banshee. Yeah, right. But Warlock didn't know. But I do love Warlock, and I do love that he was like, I'm just going to try to sacrifice myself to save you all. Because he loves him. Even though I bet Warlock doesn't have resurrection protocols. Potentially. That's never come up, but it makes sense because of the fact that he is techno-organic, because of the fact that he, I mean, we call him a mutant because he is outside of the norms of his species but but is he really is he in the resurrection protocols yeah Did cerebro find him like what would his husk be created of and we get to meet the mutant language mm. etienne i read that and i got really excited because that's my friend's son's name Aha. and i had never heard i mean it's a french name but i hadn't heard it ever before so yeah we meet him and He's had a he's had a rough go of it. He's got the classic my mutant powers killed my parents situation. You know, you don't have a tragic backstory unless it, it's almost a Disney trope. And yeah. now that extends to the Marvel Universe. Yep. Back over the healing gardens as they're just trying to the Bay's care over. Oh, Bay. It's so adorable. I love it. I'll just sacrifice. I'll just be next. And they're yes. like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Mm, but she loves him. And we get that Paris flashback, his origin story, the death of his father, the way that this has been tearing through tons of people, his heroic nature in dealing with his powers. Get this man an empty husk, you know? <laughs> yeah, seriously. But well, then, but will his in just the language burn through that husk? You know, like how does that work? I did really love that this the way that that image scrolled of all the bodies like weaving yeah. through that he was going through. I thought that was a really a really good way to utilize the medium and show you just how long this path had been. Like the way they had the bodies or the people lined up, like winding like a road that led to Doug. Even the letters just kind of raining about the page Yeah, as you're scrolling through. A lot of really interesting visual design choices. So the answer to the problem is to write him down, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But then, so now he just exists as paper? In a book. And we don't know how and when we will solve this problem. Well, isn't the, there a line about a language only lives if it's spoken? So you have to learn and, and understand right, this. But they can't speak it yet because it's not safe. Like they haven't figured out how to speak it. A problem for another day. For another Infinity comic. Please, scary lady, let me help. <laughs> I love it. I love you, Warlock. Yeah. I love you forever. Little little poetry to end by. Everybody's insulting Doug's poetry. Written by Alex Pacnadel. Art by Namian Cuchirio. Color art by Felipe Sobrero. And letters, Joe Sabino. He sees Joe Sabino. Look at Doug's face. It's all, it looks like he got a bad sunburn. Bad sunburn. What'd you think? This was a short in number of issues, but both were pretty long in terms of... Yeah, like the length of the issue itself. I liked it. I think it's an interesting story. I think it's a little high concept for me in some instances. Like I understand that he's a mutant language, but he was once a boy or a man, and then his mutation turned him into a language. Like it's a little, Hmm. I don't know. Well, and I'd imagine... Not a tangible idea to me. Right, right. Well, I'd imagine that... The power being the language burnt through his body in the same way that Chambers power burns through his face, but on a 
exponential level. So it needed to burn out of this husk, as you could call it, if it you're talking Krakoan resurrection. And then so he needed to find somewhere else. Yeah, but like what is, I guess, what is the... What is the power? What is the mutation? Like, I don't fully understand it. Like, I get he's a language, but does his language do something different? It's to, Or is it just, oh, well, first you were a man who spoke French because you lived in France, and now you're Japanese. Like, I just don't, yeah, like, yeah. I don't understand it. I get it as, like, a concept, but I don't really understand how it works yeah or what its intention is and i imagine that that's something to be further explored because even he's not going to have all those answers as he's coming to them for help and for salvation essentially right right, hopefully this is more a question for the writer yeah yeah yeah, right (laughs) alex what's going on when will we see etony next you ready for eve of judgment you ready for these eternals no you know (laughs) no they could they could do with a little less words. Sure. I mean <laughs> has anyway. been has been a frequent criticism of Kieran's recent work, but I am here for I it. like Kieran's work yeah. a lot. I just felt like this issue particularly was anyway, well I'll say it when we get into the yeah, issue. Yeah. Let's look at the cover. Drooling is it, all of the Eternals are napping. Napping. They're stand napping. Oh, yeah, I guess. Or they're looking down. Yeah. I'm just, y'all, it's late. I'm loopy. Forgive my silly jokes that mean nothing. They are sleeping in disapproval. They are giant and the X-Men are tiny and trying to fight them. Yeah. But it does give a very good sense of, you know, they're looming over. This thing is coming. They're coming for you. So that being said, let's dig in. Woo! Page turn noise. Let's talk about the machine. Lovely okay. conversational overview. That's really what this issue is for. Bring everyone up to speed before we dive in. Primarily focusing on what's been happening with the Eternals. Mm. Because if you haven't been reading it, if you came here from the X-Men side. Right. This gives you a, a high level because I have started the Eternals run, haven't finished it. Yeah. So some of the details a little later on, especially as we're talking with some of the deviants. I was like, all right, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with it. Good information. Interesting group of mutants to choose for the first page. Because Gambit. Because Gambit. And, and also, like, you know, Nightcrawler Gene, full, fully in their outfits. Gambit, totally in a, like, cash version. And Logan, just chilling shirtless. Life is good on Krakoa. Is basically you know, what they're trying to say. I do love the tone of the machine. Mm, yes. And I also love, even with my limited knowledge of the Eternals, I recognize most of the major players that we're talking about from the film. Right. But what I thought was really interesting in this is from the film, I got the sense that even though Druig like did some not great things at some point, like I got the sense that he was actually... Icarus and Druig's roles are reversed Sure. in this versus in the film, right? Like Icarus was like, take them down. I don't care about anybody as long as I'm doing the things the Eternals are supposed to do. And that's kind of Druig's like role in this story where 
in this story, Icarus is like, no, it's not even right that they die for us. Right, and it's right. kind of the, yeah. So I was like, that was an interesting flip. And I wonder how people who are, like it makes me think back about the criticisms of the Eternals movie and if that has, you know, avid Eternals comic readers, if there was any sort of shift in how the characters are perceived. I mean, there's never really been a whole lot of the Eternals mm. in terms of comics history. Interesting. There was their original appearance. There was this run. And I think that there's one other run. And, ah. and maybe they've popped up a little bit further, but that's largely it. Their connection to the Celestials. The Celestials have been around for a while at various times. And there's actually been a Judgment Day event oh. that no relation, at least only tangentially connected through the Celestials. But this jerk Druig and his crazy schemes, just casual what-if scenarios. I know you love how to brainstorm. I know you love brainstorming, Domo. Why would you kill all the mutants? Just, yeah, just I'm just wondering. And he's just, like, oh, actually, I have this perfect thing I've been working on. Antimatter bomb. Easy peasy. No one would know where it came from. Okay, yes, let's. Great, let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's just go to town. Look at that creepy little smile. <laughs> it's a title page. Eternals. A-X-E, Eve of Judgment, and a bunch of little names. A bunch of names. Like 100, probably, or 101. Maybe, as we're teased later on. Written by Karen Gillan. Art by Pasquale Ferry. Colors by Dean White. Letters, Clayton Coles. VCs, Clayton Coles. Clayton was also the designer. Ah. Icarus is on the other side, though. This human life, it's part of the machine. To have their death, their resurrection, cost a mortal life to come back mm. doesn't sit right with them. They have these... Yeah three prime directives that they can't refuse. We see later on just how violently they cannot refuse them. Yeah. They have to follow them. It's interesting, right? Because they're like kind of programmed right. to do that. And then there's this turmoil of trying to go against your programming or find loopholes within your programming to make it still like you're doing the thing. Like you're still following orders, but room for you're interpretation. them to yeah. Yeah, suit, not be so suit aggressive. What you need. <laughs> They see the protection of humans as part of their principle to protect the machine, the earth. And then we get a, a deviant mutate. Just get out of my house. No. <laughs> I had enough of this. Go away. And then they're like, fight, fight, fight. Well, see, I took you down anyway, but I don't really want to take you down because I want to be your friend. And Icarus is just no. <laughs> Trap her and let's get out of here. I don't want to kill her because I've killed entirely too many deviants. Even some that weren't excess deviation, right? So th this idea of what excess deviation means mm. and how they have grown beyond just being a deviant. And it seems they're at, at peace with regular deviants yeah, to an extent. Yeah, those are fine. You guys are fine. As long as don't be excess. Don't, don't get all extra. Don't be extra and you're fine. Cersei knows the truth. If revealing mutant resurrection was anything similar to what would happen to the Eternals, yeah, I, I would keep that under wraps too. Mm. They actually kill humans for the resurrection. So much worse. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's rude. Yeah. But it's okay for them to be eternal, right? That's kind of the thing. Well, that's that's their, their issue. It's that's... not that you are resurrected. It's not how you're resurrecting. No. It's that you are resurrected. Right, and right. That's our, only that's for us. That's our thing. We're here because of the gods. It's only for us. Not for you. And we're not all here because some of us are in the exclusion. You're excluded. Fastos, imprisoned, trapped in Eternal's hell. 
He's not alone, and there's some fuzzy math on how many Eternals there actually are. Apparently, that's not today's problem. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Later in the event. It, I Again, more recognizable faces. Makari and Ajak. Mm-hmm. We have a work of great spiritual significance. Fastos, you would make a god? Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Well, to do it, you need the mutant expert. Who could that possibly be? You, think you would it's have to Moira? kidnap. You'd have to kidnap the mutant expert. Do you think it's Moira? No, I think it's oh, the one who's kidnapped on the next page. Duh, Alicia, oh my god, <laughs> who was kidnapped in Immortal X Men? Oh my god, and his scene bound. Uh, it's funny because when I was reading the comic, I was like, "Do you think they're talking about Moira?" And then I turned the page, and I'm like, "Nope." Oh. What's Sinister doing here? They're talking about Sinister. <laughs> oh, Alicia. I didn't want you to do it, Fastos. I just wanted you to tell us if it could be done. Well, it's too late. I did we, it. We also we did it anyway. It's Storm saying, yeah, Xandra's already back, so I this is mute. I got to say, I got kind of excited when I got to this page. I was like, ooh, what are you doing here? Which version are you? But... It makes more sense now that you said the one who got bloop, blipped away. That's right. So that was the, the capturing in Immortal X-Men number four. In case you guys missed it, just like I did. Let's talk with Fina. Oh, uh, yeah. Discussing Thena. where their people are at now after what's happened with Thanos and Talo, which I haven't finished reading, so I don't know. We don't know. It still underlines the overall divide between Deviants and Eternals. Mm, but it seems like these two are kind of like friends. Right. Potentially more. Ooh. As Crow and Cersei. Oh, yeah. She would eat me alive, and I'm into it. I didn't say I wouldn't like it. The struggles of a mortal life of a Deviant versus an immortal life of an Eternal. Interesting. Yeah. This idea of wanting to understand mortal or be like a mortal, does that make you mortal? Like, it is an interesting concept. And it's not, this is not, I'm not inventing a concept. This is a thing that people talk about over the ages. It's like, when you have the, the knowledge that your life will end, you treat your life differently than if you know your life will never end. Yeah. There's so many more consequences. There's so much more value placed on every single thing that you do. And if you're living as an immortal being, then you might start to get bored or think that, you know, it's similar to what Wolverine was saying. Like, there's you're safe. There's no stakes. There's, there's just, okay, well, if I die, whatever. Yeah, there's a quote from a stoic principle about you have two lives and the second one begins when you acknowledge that you only have one Mm. that kind of opens up this limited time left on this earth and understanding that just reminds me it it, when i was working an event this weekend someone was giving a speech and they said your life is not measured by the number of breaths you take. This is a quote. But, but the, the moments, moments that take, that take your, your breath, breath away. away. And I was like, that's a good. And then he was talking about his wife and he got all teary and was like, you've given me so many of those. And I'm like in the corner crying. Sobbing in costume. Like, no, just like as a producer in the corner, like, <laughs> so beautiful. Get it together, Alicia. Anyway, back to the comics. Back to Druig. Yeah, why though? 
know, here's my campaign speech. Mutants, they're basically deviants and we hate them, right? So. So I made it work. You let's know, go. No excess deviation. Set up the bomb. Let's go get breakfast. They're taking over Mars, becoming immortal. It's excessive. Bing bong needs to be corrected. <laughs> Bing bong, he said. Domo's plan. Death to the mutants it is. All right. Let's go get some eggs. Let's go get some eggs. Oh, wait. No. Something terrible has happened. This overcome with voice. Protect the machine. Protect the machine. They can't do what they're trying to do because, hey, Krakoa is a nice guy. I also think it's really interesting that Krakoa is essentially a part of the machine, right? Krakoa is part of, part Earth. of Earth. So that's an interesting balance or a line that I wouldn't have thought was there before. Has yet to be explored. Hopefully yeah. soon. Hopefully soon. It's too bad, too, because Druig was really looking forward to those eggs. Yeah, he they was. They need to devise another plan. But instead, let's go plan murder with Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. To be continued. Uranus, I have a proposition. Oh, you silly little boy. It's been like not even a thousand years. Let's go do some killing. <laughs> What'd you think? I thought that it was a good setup. It gave me the backstory and the information about what's going on with the Eternals. Their sort of philosophy on things where they're set up where they're not kind of all on the same side. Yeah. Because, you know, all the, the stuff going into it, you're thinking, oh, Eternals versus X-Men, wherever the Avengers lie. But it's not all of the Eternals. So that's good to know. And I think that also makes for interesting story. But I think that I would have liked to see a little more showing me and not as much just telling me. Like I felt like a lot of the dialogue was just someone reciting information. And then there was the voiceover of the machine. Sure. And it just felt like a lot to read. And it could have been simplified a little and I still would have gotten the information. Yeah. But overall, I think it was it was a good setup and it definitely has me interested and intrigued as to what judgment day will be and yeah. i liked the art a lot really i, I yeah. yeah some of it i did but there were some some faces and some yeah i like the colors i'll say that i like the colors and i liked the layouts yeah the layouts were cool but it definitely did its job in organizing the big ideas from the Eternals run, right? So you have this 12-issue run plus a couple of offshoots trying to capture what they've been up to, what they've been building, mm -hmm. and distill that into a jumping-on point. So if you haven't been reading it, you can enjoy this event. And I yes. feel like that was no short order to be able to do. Right, and I feel like it, it accomplished that. Where Druig is at, where he's coming from, and I think it... Did a good job at keeping high level and explaining what was going on, but I did lose some of my bearings in the conversations with the Deviants. I wish I had finished reading the Eternals run, and maybe I will by the end of the week. I will. Okay. Because Judgment Day is coming. Judgment Day is coming. How do we feel about the Eternals? And I know that that's not like a group, right? It's factions of Eternals, essentially. Mm, I don't. I don't know if I can pass a judgment at this stage in the but game. But it is judgment day. But, I, but I, I don't think I know enough. I think from what I got, I could say about Druig and anyone who is P.E., <laughs> who, who Prime, Eternal. Prime Eternal follows and is not independent or, you know, in it for the money. 
I would say that I think they're they're suffering from a little bit of the case of too big for their britches. Like, sure. you know, all of the different super powered groups can kind of get into this place where they think they are the super powered group and the only super powered group. And I think they're they're a little bit in that lane for me right now, especially with the idea that they're they have their own method of resurrection which also involves taking the life of someone else and the only reason that druig is upset about the the mutants is not because the mutants are trying to alter at all the course of the deviant's mission but only because it sets them on an equal playing field to be immortal can't and be having that that can't happen and so it seems like it's it's coming from a more selfish place than an actual like concerned for deviants place right, right. so i think it's a little and, fishy and the fact that it's seemingly one directive overriding another Mm. where he's labeling them as excess deviation, but also trying to destroy them as part of the earth. as part of the machine. Right. It's interesting. And so that was my next follow up. Is it really the Eternals or is it just the influence of Druig? And I feel like it is, it's Druig, you know, it's, it's it's Druig, but also we can't forget who's also whispering in his ear in the background. Uranus. Moira. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I think, uh, yes, but I think that this campaign against the humans actually started, or against the mutants actually started before the Hellfire Gala. It's been seeded in the last couple mm. of issues. Right, but she's also using it to her advantage as a oh, way yeah. to continue to take them down. Oh, yeah, she's given them more specifics you know, right. after this attempt. Well, no, this is how you do it, guys. Right. You just go after these five. Were you surprised to see Sinister? I was, but it makes sense. It was it was like a excitement surprise. It was yeah, yeah. A, you know, not like a <gasps> what? Gasp. And more like a ooh. Ooh, connections. Are you scared for him or just scared of what he could do or what could be done with him? I'm not scared for him. I am scared of what could be done with him and what not for him, but of him a little because Sinister seems like a character that will give up information in order to save himself, mm-hmm. even though he can be resurrected. You know, like, so he'll kind of, I fear that he'll give things away that he shouldn't just out of protection, out of, and also trying to see like, oh, well, if I give you this, what do you give me? Like, you know, bargaining in a way that's not really beneficial to anyone other than Sinister. Right, right. Well, that's our, our first issue of Judgment Day. Did you see that timeline? That is a huge event. Yeah. At the end of the issue? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a that hefty is, one. That's much larger than I thought it was. That's a hefty one. We're going all the way to November, folks. But the fact that it also includes just everything X-Men related for the next couple of months. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. That's I, cool. I was already reading most of these anyway. If you weren't reading any of those, you'd probably be so upset by oh, how yeah, many yeah. additional comics you have to read if to get this story. If you're just reading Eternals or Avengers. Or Avengers, you're like, oh, stupid X-Men. Stupid X-Men. They get their whole own universe going. There are two issues of Fantastic Four. Oh, geez, Louise. So they do play in. That was a question that was last a question. episode. But, but... 
people who are like, oh, stupid X-Men are actually going to fall in love with Krakoa and the X-Men. And then they're going to read all the X-Men comics forever. Here's hoping. You ready to talk about Marauders? I am. You ready to talk about your girl? No, I'm not. I love this cover. I do love this cover. I think it's a really cool uh, depiction of tempo and her powers. And just aesthetically is very pleasing to me. It's the same artist that has been on the covers for the last couple of issues. I feel like both the cover artist and the interior artist grown on me more and more. Yes. I would agree. But this one doesn't because I think of the blurriness of it in the background. It doesn't feel as like video game cartoony to me. Sure. And plus the glare on Tempo's costume. Mm. All right. Here we go. Page turn noise. You're just making Deathbird mad. Yeah, Deathbird's not going to just stop fighting just because you said stop fighting. We're the King Crimson. I don't know what that means. Like, That's fine. Who should I kill? Where's my niece? <laughs> she already did, but don't worry. She's coming back. I just I like how Steve Orlando has been doing this where you literally just get one page at the beginning. That's some other story. Mm. And then maybe it'll come back. Yeah. I, I will say this has been my favorite of the four issues. Okay. Okay. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Too soon. On to the next page is Captain Kate. Great art spread. Yeah, I love this spread. Silly sacrifice, though. Like, Bishop's power is literally to absorb energy. What was she trying to do? Catch it? Phase through it? Just yeah. die? Like, yeah, what? like, why do we need to kill her what in was the, the middle plan? of the mission when she's the captain of the team? And I love how... That's th- rude. There's no even explanation... It's just not even, it's a throwaway line. Yeah, Xandra's dead. Like, yeah. you you know that if you're reading X-Men Red, and if you're not, what are you doing? Yeah, if you're not reading X-Men Red, what are you doing? But yeah, I, I really, this might be one of my favorite pages just because of the way the colors are. And I think it, because, you know, you're seeing the red and the gold of Bishop has red and gold on, Kate has red and gold on, Tempo's in that gold, like, the cold in the background. The King Crimson and Red. I really love the way it's laid out. Like it travels oh, yeah. diagonally across the page and it it's not even little boxes. I just I don't really like it. Chaotic. Yeah. But it but it also has a lot of flow to it. Yeah. Hey, it's a title page. Pan Dimensional Prison Break. Extinction Agenda Part 4, written by Steve Orlando, art by Eleonora Carlini, color art by Matt Miller. Letters and production, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. Hmm. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Is Matt Miller also the name of like a rapper or something? I believe so. Every time you say it, when you're like reading the, you know, the issue credits, I'm like, isn't that a rapper? Is that a, a musician? An artist of sorts? Matt Miller is apparently. Yeah, Matt Miller sure. is too, yeah. I was going to say, but I'm sure he doesn't say Matt Miller. Matt Miller. Matthew Miller. He might say. Dropping bars. Matt Miller. In the house. Anyway. Anyway, back to the issue. Another gorgeous page. Captain's cutting it up. Psylocke looking great in this action shot. Even Bishop getting in on it. Setting Cassandra up to do the dirty work. I got to say, I'm happy that Psylocke is doing some stuff in this issue. Sure, yeah. I love it. I love the setup, and I love how Aurora calls her wicked stepmother. That is totally the role she's been cast in, it's and she perfection. relishes in it. 
Cassandra weakening them internally as she's opening this door. Aurora attacks them from all around with her speed. It's this great. is power combo. It's teamwork, baby. Yeah. Into the secret chamber. This weird tube. We've made it in. Old Shi'ar space magic. Light touch, please. Shlack. No, you have a Wolverine on the team. You don't touch anything lightly. <laughs> it's interesting, but it also feels oddly similar to Sinister's Moira's in the tube, right? Sure. Like he's using her to reset time as like a memory bank, and they're growing this guy, storing him with new memories, killing him and regrowing him. Yeah. Just seems oddly and similar. Very much so, especially in close contrast to what's happening in Immortal X-Men, and, mm-hmm. and in general, just what's happening with the X-Men in Resurrection. Mm-hmm. But then you have Fang and the Lupac, and that's been his story, the the resurrection of essentially the same person always coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew this idea of it's a person with a healing brain that can handle you know, the regrowing, but it's invisible and just the details of how that happens, I was not aware of. Yeah. This is a complex issue. We get our knockoff saber tooth. <laughs> Coming He's out with here. all the information. He's angry. Hey, how, why, why shouldn't I kill you right now? Well, a, li- a living tome of their secrets that gets reformed whenever they need to add to it and killed again to remain in stasis until next time. It's kind of messed up, Shiar. Hey, you know, it's not the only messed up thing. But we're going to stab you in her brain so you can not go anywhere. I do like that Psylocke kind of puts her foot down here and she's like, listen, Cassandra, no. Yeah. You're not this team's captain, and, and if anybody's going to default to a captain, it's going to be me and Bishop because we are captains. Right, and you are up to some weird stuff that we don't know yet. I don't trust you, so let's just go into the memories the way I want to. Threshold. Interesting. Thriving mutant society long before humans. I like these these four down here who seem to be, I don't know, the rulers of Threshold, they got an interesting look. Yeah. The royal family. I don't know. They give me royalty vibes. Right. And just this whole tropical paradise, this whole thriving country. Mm. It's like ancient Greece, Krakoa. Yeah. I, I really like this whole secret history. A lot of untapped time. Not that I need stories from this, but explore the after effects. It is also interesting because... There's all those conversations or thoughts of like who was the original mutant, who are the first mutants, and right. Apocalypse is supposed to be like among them, right? Apocalypse, but, Celine, yeah. But so was Apocalypse part of this? I don't think so, but this maybe. Was before Apocalypse? So that's kind of the question. That's what popped into my mind is, you know, there's all that thought of like who are the original mutants, and is there, there was an if there's an entire society of them that were thriving before that. But then were exterminated and died. Exterminated, but not exterminated by the Shia. Like, yeah, this, this is the one part that I was kind of upset about. It feels like a really big nothing burger about this whole secret. Yeah. But we'll get to it. Nothing burger. But first, hey, the, the Shia is coming. Hey. In their more bird form, which I'm into. I like it. 
We're here to pillage because it's what we do. We're just space pirates. No. But no, you can't. <laughs> you don't understand what mutants are. We all have individual powers that aren't just being a dumb bird except for Warren. All right, we'll go back. We'll come back with an army. Oh, no, you're just going to send five of them and Did we still again. can't do it? I wonder if there's any significance about them and the five. Yeah, I felt like that was a intentional, intentional number choice. Yeah. yeah. They take them down again, and this is the first blood spilled, an account of their losses against the mutants. Boo. This, yeah, it just it feels like a little bit of a, a letdown, but also I, I understand, but it just feels like I was expecting more from it because of how it was positioned and built mm-hmm. up. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept that the thing that the Shi'ar is hiding are their flaws. Sure. Right? That in itself is interesting. But to be building up the First Blood's build and all of this and that and that it's, oh, the First Blood's build is actually actually that the Shi'ar lost and there's all these mutants, but they kind of just disappear and we're not really going to be clear about how they Not yet, at are, least. You know, vanquished. Yeah. Basically just recap over the all that in this data page i did feel yeah i kind of felt like this data page was unnecessary because then when you flip the page he basically says the exact data page like he summarizes the data page so i think they looked at this data page and they said ain't nobody gonna read this when i first read this issue i skipped this data page not even knowing that it was reiterating i just had no interest in reading no no but the mutant and Shi'ar history, this first shame. Get us out of these bird bodies. We'll be back. <laughs> but Threshold disappeared. Okara rose and split the story we all know. Mm-hmm. Eric the Red just checking in. Just seeing, hey, yeah. what's going on with mutants? Oh, nothing doing, serious. All we've been doing is watching this whole time. It really reframes a lot of various things throughout yeah. Shi'ar and mutant exchange history. Mm-hmm. And then Tempo, she just puts a little pause. She's like, hold up. Can we just pause this moment for a second and we just talk about what we're doing here? Well, because the guy is like, no, I, I want to I wanna tell you the full story. Quit, right. quit taking it for cliff notes. I'm excited about it. I want to tell you. But he's lying. Most escapees were executed, but some were held in time drives for study on a doomed Shi'ar base destroyed some years back. This poor old Shi'ar chapbook left it right in front of his weary mind. Oh, man. She's got that twinkle in her eye. I know what she wants, and I'm doing it too, because, heck yeah, time travel. We're going on a time heist. (laughs) It's going to get dangerous. It could reset everything. I really like this perspective of Tempo's power and the idea. You're just a tourist. The idea that she knows all the real truth. This data page was cool. And mm-hmm. interesting. And and even just delves a little further about what she's going back and forth with. Well, but- I have mixed feelings. I don't know if I'd call it cool. I think... Sorry, finish your thought and then I'll go. No. Okay. I think that the concept of how it relates to Tempo's powers is interesting. But the premise of the data page where she just writes a letter to Bishop to explain how her powers work to say, just so that one day when you ask me to use them, you know how you work felt a little bit like, like I would have rather seen this be like a diary, like a tempo's diary of her kind of talking about 
the idea that every time someone asks her to change something or to go back in time, she's the only one who remembers the real truth versus this letter to Bishop. I don't know. It just felt a little like, would she really write this letter like this? If your captain is asking you. But but she's saying preemptively, I know one day you're going to ask me, so I'm writing this. Sure. It's not like he asked her in a letter, Temple, we want you to do this. And she was like, okay, let me explain to you why I can't do that. Well, she is aware of the timeline. She knows she's going to be asked to do this or this is going to come up. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. Didn't like I it. liked the, the context of it. I just didn't like the format of it. But you're here for the time heist. Mm. Aurora and Aki, which multiple uses in this mm-hmm. issue trying to make it happen it's fine i like a hero but aki is fine aki aki they're staying here while we all go through time and space they're staying here and what and tempo literally just said everything could possibly change when we get back here and they're not here so what is the point so that this guy can't go off and do something else he can't change the future of the from the he could follow he, them can he travel in time? I don't know. He can travel in space. It's the pan-dimensional doors. Oh, God. Time travel is just not my favorite. We all know this. Well, and it also just it feels like we're entering into different territory from what we've talked about in time travel previously. And it's rewriting things, potentially making an alternate timeline or universe, which is kind of how we know it to be. And just the sheer fact that we're putting so much emphasis on Tempo is going to be the only one who remembers the real truth and everybody's going to come out a different version of themselves except for Tempo. I just feel like if we don't get that, if we don't get these all other versions or there's not some big change, like it just feels like they're putting that out there. Like this is going to happen. Hmm. I don't know. That's my takeaway. And then they're there. They're there on Avalon, Magneto's old base. For the age of Nemesis to begin. Sure. Tempo wants her gold star, but Nemesis interrupts. Next, Avalon falls again. Nemesis. What'd you think? I thought it was okay. Better better or worse than where it's been? The same, honestly. All right, all right. I... Felt a little let down by the first blood spilled reveal. I'm hoping that we get more information. So what happened in that situation? I don't love that Kate is dead because they're clearly in space and they're now they're traveling back in time. So she's not going to be in the in the story like for however long this story goes until they go back to Krakoa. Sure. And they're they're traveling through time, so it's not like they can like radio Krakoa and be like, "Hey, Kate died. Resurrect her. Send us a new one." Like, <laughs> I don't know. So I'm interested, but I also am not a huge fan of time travel because I feel like sometimes tri- time travel can just be used as a like, "Oh, well, we want to change something, so we're just gonna say we time travel and then we change it." And at the same time, I also feel like there are so many layers of story going on, and so many like this. The point in which they're time traveling to seems to be a huge point in mutant history. And so I feel like that's a dangerous territory to be playing with the ripple effects of that when there are so many titles that it could affect. Right. But at the same time, is it going to derail all of what's happening? No. So that's what I'm saying. Is it like, just feels how like a false gonna, setup. 
how how what is the impact going to be how is that going to play out feels a little icky to me sure and they're not going back all the way to threshold right they're just going right. back to this spot where one of those captured members exists in a time drive yeah and a time drive is a whole nother thing. Who even knows? I thought this was a lot better than I was I've been expecting, or at least what I what I come to this title feeling lately. I know that's not the most sterling review, but it just brought the full series into a conversation while telling us there's a whole lot more than we knew at stake with this deep time travel. It took us four issues to get somewhere out in space to now go out even further. And it's always been about time travel, right? It's always been this million-year-old box of Mysterium in Kate's handwriting. Yeah, Kate's in, not even there. In Krakoan. And you're not, not going to like my first question. Well, thresh- you're going to take my book. Yep. You're going to take my favorite book where Kate and Emma are the stars of the book. Emma's out because she's busy doing other things. Then you're going to make my Kate not feel like my Kate to me, really. And then you're going to kill her. And now she's not even in the book. She's out. So you can understand my being upset. Sure. Anyway. I think, I think Threshold is really intriguing. This stretching the knowledge base of Moira to a new point. You know, like she doesn't know how far back that goes. She's not alive. She doesn't even have that history, potentially. I will say I will. I don't know. The, the only thing this, that just popped into my head was, okay, they're going back in time. How far back in time are they? How are they, how is this box in Kate's hand? Like, I don't know. Is, is there like going to be some alternate version of Kate? I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. But like, how did she write the box if she's dead? I don't know. Anyway, carry on with your questioning. I'm frustrated. Yeah. Are you okay knowing that Kate died? Maybe I think that- the answer is no. <laughs> Maybe that's how she was at the gala. They just knew, but still doesn't explain Bishop or Conan. Right. Not even a little. They were just like, shh, 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 they're in space. They're in space. It's fine. It's going to wrap up before Judgment Day starts. They don't even have real outfits. Just let it go. Don't worry about it. The secret was a lot more embarrassing than I thought. Reactions to that just. I mean, it's like I said before, it's interesting that the Shi'ar are so ashamed of ever losing that they have to, you know, cover those losses up. But I wanted there to be more juicy gossip like what did so xandra died because they can't know that they ever lost a battle like yeah it's kind of stupid to think that you could never lose you know especially when you were weak bird people yeah just it's foolish ready for a time heist i know how much you hate time travel how do you feel about our setup going into this I feel as though I've made my feelings pretty clear. <laughs> Quit answering my questions before we get to them. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on. On to Wolverine. On to Wolverine slash Deadpool. With that homage cover. Danger slicing through. Oh, you got Wolverine in my Deadpool. Oh, you got Deadpool in my Wolverine. Mm, juicy. All right. Here we go. Page turn noise. I love this past and present split, the way the mansion was and what it meant versus what it is now, what it means to Wolverine and how he's grown to accept Krakoa. All these little floaty heads make me laugh. All the memories. We got Wolverine. We got Deadpool. Is that Nightcrawler? Yep. 
Colossus's floating head. And then Xavier's floating head and old school Logan and Cyclops and Jean. It is a cool story point of him saying, oh, you know, you can't go home again. That whole thing. Yeah. And just the beautiful art panels. And it is very interesting. This is a Grey's Anatomy moment. We're going to talk in the beginning about how people who hold on to the past, they're just, they're just not worth it. And then we get somebody who holds on to the past. And then I guess they're just not worth it. Pop, pop. But Tear I it up. The art. Yeah. Always. Time to slice through the door. Because I'm Wolverine and I'm home. It's a title page. Bad manners. Oh, we're doing puns now? What is this? A Deadpool comic? Yes. Yes, it is. Old haunts. Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Adam Kubert, colors by Frank Martin, letters Corey Petit. VCs Corey Petit. I love this page. I did too. I felt like I could have stared at it forever and yeah. tried to find, Although, even though I don't really have a lot of comic reference of the mansion, I was looking at it and I was trying to see if I could figure out who anybody's room was. Uh, I did not, but... I thought it was cool to I see. I assume the one with the paints is Colossus. Mm, that makes sense. But yeah, this maze of a mansion. The visual layout of this spread is incredible. The multiple explorations of the entire space as you have details and conversation points pop out. I just love Deadpool. Like He's talking about nothing. Yeah. But also, I am here for it. He's talking about nothing as he's segueing to the important conversation that needs to be had mm-hmm. about Blind Al. And the way Logan just agrees. Yeah, okay. I'll help her. We'll help her. Really? Okay? Really? Okay, yeah. All right, cool. Good talk. On to nipple science. <laughs> I just like, I just read it and I shake my head and I laugh. Yeah. As long as you're laughing, I feel like that's really what they're going for. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy this dynamic a lot. A little history on his obsession with teeth. I'm talking about, hey, how come you didn't get your teeth adamantiumized? It was kind of something done to me. Not really I did. I very much enjoyed this because I feel as though this is another instance where... Benjamin Percy was like, I really want the art to tell the story here. We need to see that they're going in and that a Colossus robot grabs them and then Deadpool's going to cut off his head. And we need to somehow bring up the fact, like bring up adamantium to the forefront because we're going to need that to come in later when we're talking about this magnetic blender. So we're just going to have Deadpool tell this ridiculous story while the art is telling the main story and we're just bringing adamantium to the forefront. And I thought that was really interesting. Literally anything he says is completely unrelated. Yeah. This collection of teeth. Yeah. But then, oh no, there's a Banshee robot and a Thunderbird robot. Wilhelm scream. And then we fall down through a hole. And then we get a data page where Charles is like, hey, someone should check on the mansion. And then we're like, oh, yeah, the Sidri are there. And Beast says, nah, this is not important. We do not care about this. And then, well, it's fine because the Sidri are gone. And then Deadpool says, Deadpool was here. And I guess what? No Sidri. Guess that storyline got toasted when Danger evicted them. Yeah, which is kind of a... 
Just a wrap up of saying, hey, we started this thing, but it's not working out. We're not doing that with the Sidri. We got something else with the Sidri going on. We got something else with the Sidri. And also, we're going to tell you this story I'll reserve my judgment for at the end. Danger's argument, especially with Madison Jeffrey's story about trying to build a place for her on Krakoa. This makes me feel bad for Danger and the fact that she was left and, and she has right to be angry. Yeah, totally. She definitely has the right to be angry, but she made her own little ex-robot family and made an ex-robot Charles baby. So I was kind of right. Sure. Yeah. Not You're actually Charles Xavier's baby. And I'm actually more happy that it's not. Mm-hmm. Logan's good. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you got your little weird family and you're happy. Good. I'm going to leave. Well, first, well, first Danger's going to try to kill me and then I'm going to leave. Because you're just a piece of meat. That's the real guy. You mean nothing to me. This robot means everything to me. Deadpool drop in, shooting them all up with a toast gun. Oh, I love so that ridiculous. Part. I loved it so much. I just like it was like Weasel still got you, even though he's gone. He still got you. And the knowledge that Danger has. This is important because this is why she's so dangerous. She has all of their history, their training, their mm-hmm. inside scoops, the Xavier their protocols. Strengths, their weaknesses. And that's why it's super dangerous that the X-Desk has that information or has at least some access to that information with the robots that Danger has already sold to them. Right. Yeah. And I'm not sure like what they're programmed with or, or what they're trying to get out of that or even if anybody got any of them mm. after that destruction. Right. They all kind of got cut up. Yeah. Speaking of getting cut up into the blender. Yucky, yuck. It's a blender. But then, wait, we're coming back together. And you Cronenberg, my resurrection people. This horrific, which, again, this is directly related, right? This is the nipple story. Yep. But now it's just full body. Plus, you know how Ben Percy loves body horror. Mm hmm. But cool. Just let's never do that again, okay? Yeah, I love how they just separate themselves. Well, I, I don't know. They, they just sci- science. <laughs> Not only do they separate themselves, but somehow their costumes are fully intact. Well, those regrow too. You didn't know? Unstable molecules, baby. Making it back to the beach just in time to read the issue. I loved that. I love it. There's that good fourth wall break that I love so much. And then even though throughout the whole time, Deadpool's like, I know, I know, I'm not on X-Force, I'm not on X-Force. My heart, my heart. Wade, yeah? Get your ass over here. We need your help. Aw. Wade, you're part of the team now. Domino doesn't look happy about it. I'm sure she and Sage are not. And look at who else is on that team officially now. Omega Red. What a team. Because Quentin's dead. <laughs> Sorry, Quentin. Judgment Day is next. Dun, dun, dun. Somehow that involves a bunch of wolves. Ooh. Big picture. What'd you think? I loved it. I just I just like the dynamics of these two, so I love it. But at the same time, I think the whole danger thing was kind of a throwaway. Yep. Like, we're going to set up this whole thing. We're going to lead it up to it. We're going to be, ooh, something's happening in the mansion for danger to try to kill them and then be like, no, don't kill my baby. Don't kill my family. Just leave me alone. And they were like, all right, bye. We're going to go do another mission. Yeah. No, that that is fair. I, I 
just enjoyed the full lead up to this issue. And I felt like other than that point, and we had talked about that a little bit before recording, the fact that it just kind of left it, it fizzles at a very amicable, like, okay, I'm, I'm going this way. I'm doing my thing. I have the mansion now with my robots and maybe I'm not going to be mad at you going forward. Yeah. I, I'm just unsure about if the, if all of the robots that the X desk received are already destroyed and Danger is literally just playing house with the others. And nothing has changed. Leave. Like, yeah, nothing has changed. And I don't know what the point of getting that information was. I like that Deadpool and Wolverine built this relationship, had this adventure, and it got Deadpool into Krakoa and onto X-Force. I like their dynamic a lot. I loved the story as it was going. I loved the writing. The art was great. But I just felt that moment I was like, so what is the point? What am I supposed to take away from this? And is this supposed to be another instance of me just seeing how Krakoa isn't really what it's built up to be because they left Danger and Danger didn't really get, you know, pulled into Krakoa. So this is another another entity, another person who is upset with Krakoa and doesn't believe in Krakoa the way that, you know, it should be believed in or it's you know, uh, promoted to be believed in or is that, and, or is this a way for me to see that the X desk is not really on the side that we want them to be or that we think they are. I mean, that's clear. Yeah. Especially, I think that was in the second or third issue of this arc where they're talking about how they're trying to get in touch with literally anyone they can that hates the mutants in any way and gain leverage over them. So D- Danger was manipulated into this situation, and maybe that's why yeah. they're able to just walk away from it, because she got back what she wanted, what was being held over her. But also, I, I felt like there could have been a little bit more, and you know, maybe it's her AI lack of emotion to state how she felt for being left, but not really have mm. that impact how she feels. But I also feel like, you know, we made a big deal about the importance of Danger's baby, like are Danger, the baby, and the other robot versions of these X-Men, are they going to come back into play at some point? Only time will tell. Only time will tell. If there was a X-Men mansion mm-hmm. museum, mm-hmm. would we go even if there was potentially dangerous Sidri infesting it? Yes. We would be these people wearing a t-shirt who died and never came back out. No, you don't know that they're dead. They okay. just went in and they never came out. Okay. So they now just live with the robots? Maybe. Okay. They're dead. Shh. You don't know. There's no body. There's no proof. Why is Danger's Baby wearing a Cerebro helmet? I don't know. And especially to have this version of Xavier not have the Cerebro helmet, to be in a wheelchair, to be essentially a classic version of Xavier... I just feel like it just means that the Cerebro baby has all the knowledge of all the mutants inside their head somehow. Or Danger just liked the way it looked. (laughs) Stealing your look. I'm jealous of what you're doing without me. Are you sad that Deadpool is now leaving Wolverine to join X-Force? I don't think he'll be in Wolverine stories going forward. I think he'll just now be in X-Force. No, I'm not sad. I think Deadpool will bring an interesting dynamic to X-Force. I really am interested to see him and Omega Red together. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, I think 
the, and there'll be Deadpool Wolverine moments in X-Force and who knows, maybe once in a while he'll pop over on a side mission with Wolverine because they're BFFs. Besties now, they shared a bond, literally. Hmm. That's all I got. Okay. Well, we got one more comic to talk about. The New Mutants. New Mutants. Ilyana and her story, this creepy looking rabbit. I kind of love it though. It's kind of Donnie Darko and giving me Donnie Darko vibes. All right, you ready? Let's oh, do yeah. this. Page turn noise. Ooh, we're starting with the throwback look this time. Yeah, and oh God, I'm crying. (laughs) This was so intense. Thinking about the extreme trauma that this child went through for years and how she coped with the loss of her brother by bringing a semi-animated version of him back to life. Yeah, with his dead body, essentially. Yeah, his face. Oh, but I do also think it's really cool that it seems that as we're hearing all these different stories, that these things all actually happen to our Ileana, or at least this story happened already, and she wrote it down as a memory. And so even though our Ileana doesn't remember it, it is, it's, it's like we're traveling through her memories and her experiences in limbo to help her process her time in limbo so that she can... she's. These are the shattered pieces of her soul sword. These are the shattered pieces of her soul that are left throughout Limbo. And we're gathering them back together so that we can recompile her sword and get them out of there. Yeah. It's just a lot to work through, right? Mm -hmm. How many years she was there, how much happened to her. And apparently some she either doesn't know or we're seeing a different iteration of what could have happened or what happens in a different twist. Yeah. Love it. Sorry about the weird dead brother thing though that's awkward but we're gonna tell you a story title page the labors of magic book three begin at the beginning written by vita ayala main story art by rod reese flashback art by jan dursema colors of the flashbacks by ruth redmond letters and production travis lanham Ooh, vcs travis lanham on to the capturing of our friends. Ooh, I like it. I like this the way this is set up and the, the battle of it all, the and demon card guards. Just the unknown knowledge of what happened to Ilyana, mm-hmm. how easily they're taken down by these demons. They're caught off guard. This, they thought they were in the clear. This Wonderland, second Lewis Carroll reference this week of comics. With the through the looking glass oh, in yeah. Immortal X Men. Oh yeah. Are they saying he was a mutant too? Maybe. I think this is interesting too, you know. Belasco is the Red King and we're in we're in our weird version of Wonderland and we need this version of magic to help this young Alice version of magic and mm. We need to use magic itself to do it. Well, just the fact that young Ilyana believes in our Ilyana, mm-hmm. where I don't think that she believes in herself. Right. Because she's had this happen to her. Mm-hmm. We need a savior. We need a hero. As I was writing. Don't 
saying this. Well, it's just like, I need a hero by Bonnie Taylor plays in the background as they're writing this yeah. summon a savior. You can't say the phrase, I need a hero and not hear the song. It's just, it's just impossible. Well, the white nice. Oh, man. I love that song. I do too. I like played that record, the Footloose soundtrack record that my mom had like 850 million times as a child. But we don't get, we're not going to give you the full spell. We're going to blur it out and you're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Right. Wait until a couple pages later. Yeah, wait a couple pages. But before we get some split cells, this artistic layout. I, just I love it. Love all this magic that they're giving us in this layout setup. It's really beautifully done. And the last panel across, sigh, not again. Ugh. <laughs> you know they're going to feed us to a monster, right? It's team well, bonding. You know. Look, Colossus, he's just walking around Krakoa. And then, bloop, he yells something in Russian. Yeah, I had no way of looking these up. Yeah. Danny is just stirring up arguments in this data page in the middle of the night. Hey, you know, I don't I don't like Sinister, just for the record. Just you so know. you know. And I don't like you either because you're doing all this stuff. I think that's a distinction to, to talk about is that with the promise of Krakoa, there was a base set, mm-hmm. right? Anything that you've done before, we're wiping from the record and giving you a clean slate. Continue to do some stuff. We don't trust you. So Sinister, Madeline, sorry, but you just kind of kept on doing that stuff. Yeah. And you're not taking ownership of it. You're not taking your chance and doing something with it. You're just saying, I have the, like, I have amnesty. Everyone should love me. This is Krakoa. And just using it as an excuse to do whatever you want. And that's not really what Krakoa is. Krakoa was like a fresh start. But you still have to do something with your fresh start. Not yeah. not the old stuff again. But where's my justice? Ah, uh, yes. The Steel Knight. Another fantastic storybook image. I do love these pages. I love them. I want this like big book. I want all the magic stories of this issue like in a big hardcover kind of children's book. You know what that like plasticky it was at the library kind of cover that like crinkles when you open it this book belongs to alicia yeah i need one i need one with just these pages just the story in it but wait you've walked directly into the trap ah silly it's a trap no you only think we walked into the trap because we are crazy powerful x-men we can do whatever we want we're easily gonna save these people i just (laughs) feel like i relate to magic so hard with this moment of her wanting to be the one to do it. And then they're like, no, no, Colossus is the savior. We, we have to let him. him do it. That's part of it. And I also think that there's, and, and especially hinted at in that storybook page, some animosity between mm-hmm. Piotr and Eliana and how that's grown a, a distance between them. Yeah. Even just little Eliana noticing that, seeing that, feeling well, you to, that. You have to think too, like, okay, older Ileana, like our Ileana, she has to have some subconscious feelings of being here. I was I was in limbo, even like to her brother outside of limbo, like in Krakoa. Like I was in limbo and I had to go through all of this by myself and I came out and I made it out and you still treat me like I'm your little baby sister. Sure. And I understand for you, maybe time hasn't passed the same way. But I went through X, Y, and Z, and I can fend for myself, and I don't need you 
to do this, but it's not her who needs him. It's the little Ileana. It's the little one. But we're going to fight. The card guards ah! and the rabbit are out. Yeah. They don't get paid for this. They're not hanging around. Oh, this shot verse. Belasco. All of this art. All of it. The yeah. whole book. So freaking gorgeous. Every issue. I can't get enough. Belasco's making a break for the little Ileana. Not today. Our Ileana steps up and steps in. This difference in the energy that he feels, but it's diffused somehow like light fractured through a frosted prism because she's broken. She doesn't feel mm-hmm. her complete she's self. She's whole. Yeah. But she still makes it work. The jagged edges of broken glass can be used to cut. Here, let me make this beautiful soul sword and come into my full armor and mm. just be so gorgeously bad. It's not even funny. I love it. I love it. On to finish our storybook story. The Mad Hatter slays the dragon, Red King Dragon Face. She could have, but she couldn't have. Right. Because that's something that is needed for the young version of herself. Mm-hmm. Hopefully she can weaken him enough to make the journey easier for her. And is that why she was able to defeat him all along? Is this something that has always happened? I don't know. We're, we're seeing maybe. Maybe. But we haven't even addressed the challenges and threats happening in the now, right? We've seen the future mm-hmm. and where things go with Sim. We've seen the past and where things were with Belasco. But this souped up Sim with all of his demon horde has yeah. not been revisited. Where's he? We had a touching moment too over here. This is beautiful. The fact that Colossus, even if piloted by the Chronicler, has these emotions and can feel. <laughs> the Chronicler can't reach you in limbo. Nobody can reach you in limbo. And now Colossus is just with them for the rest of the journey, I guess, because yep. he's stuck in there. You can't travel. If we can't travel, you can't travel. How excited do you think I was when I was reading this and she was talking about the acorn and I was like, I don't need you little, I don't need you little editors. No, sure, I know exactly right? what you're talking about. Right. I know this has to do with the Storm of Magic miniseries. I went through that on my podcast with my husband. Pop, pop, pop. Ileana wants to save her younger self, but she's not having any of it. No, I'm not going with you. I know what I need to do. Here's what you need to do. You know where you need to go. And then creepy Belasco. Who summons the stepping disc, though? Is she able to use that with what Ileana gives to her? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Is that the only time she's able to use that until hopefully we find a new soul sword at the end? Oh, yeah, we better. Oh, man. Yeah, finishing the story on the other side in the flashback, working through this in the the witching hour. Oh, man. Sad disintegration of the dead Colossus body. Oh, man. We're done with you now, sir. She's got so much going on at so many different times in her life. A deep magic story. Mm-hmm. And it, I like this mention that she has to go to the library of the one who would become the ruler, which is interesting. Setting us up for where we're about to go next. The finale. The finale. Loving that cover. Looking good, magic. Yeah, but also, I don't know if you've seen the whole thing, but she is in chains no, I've never seen the whole thing. I she, can see a couple chains right there. She's in chains, and who is holding those chains? Madeline. 
Oh, Behind her. Madeline, come on. We'll see. What'd you think? I love it. 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 I love the storytelling technique. I love the art. I love the idea that we have to trap. Like, I just, I like this. This is a character moment. This whole arc is a character moment for magic. We're taking her to where she needs to go next to be this next version of herself. And it's not always fair, I think, to other characters when one character, you know, this is supposed to be a New Mutants book and it's very much a magic book. Yep. But at the same time, I love magic, so I'm here for it. When you think about where we've gone with the New Mutants stories recently, you have Karma working through her relationship with her brother. You have Rain working through the mysteries of her son. You have the Shadow King and his full arc and mm. how he was kind of the the reason for everybody to also deal with what they were going in through. Gabby trying to work through her identity. Everyone was having like smaller moments woven together at the same time. But this is very much so magic and Madeline, I'd say as well. She's yeah. going through some arcs, some character development, or at least some reckoning with what she's been up to. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we've been having this conversation about when are the new mutants going to graduate and move on to their next phase and when not is, be the kids of the group anymore. When is Danny going to be on the council? Really? For real? Let's get it going already. Get out of here, Sinister. Danny Moonstar for Winter, for Winter Council. Yeah. But I, I mean, I very much enjoy it. Yeah. I'm interested to see where... Well, let's, let's turn that into a question. Where does this title go when Magic's story is concluded? Because I do... You know, I, I hear what everybody's saying. Magic's been getting a lot of great story, a lot of great arc, but to to assume that at the end of this next issue, she'll be at some new level of peace and or understanding of herself and to really have worked through some of the trauma that is her upbringing mm-hmm. to then be able to go on to something bigger and better. That makes perfect sense for her growth as right. a character. Well, now she shifts to be on the X-Men. Right. Who next goes through an arc of transformation in New Mutants. I feel as though it should follow somewhere into the Danny and Rain story since they're in this story. That would just be a natural kind of tie-in, how they're affected by Limbo, what this experience did for them to kind of take... And just with Tear and, yeah. and Danny's regret of not being able to be there for Rain when she needed her. And... Yeah. I feel like that makes sense, but also it with the way that... New Mutants has been in the Krakoan era. When this arc's over, we could go in a complete, like, 180 different direction sure. and talk about someone completely different. Yeah. Like uh, Warpath. Yeah. Who was on the cover of an upcoming issue. Yeah. Do you prefer older Ilyana or younger Ilyana? Or Ilyana, Ilyana? Well, I prefer Ilyana, Ilyana. I liked both of these stories, but I think I like older Ileana better than younger Ileana because I like the weathered, apocalyptic nature yeah. of older Ileana. And just to have more Warlock here yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool combination. 
Will Colossus go through some change of his own? I don't know if this is going to solve the Chronicler problem because mm. I feel like that's a long game plot for X-Force. But to have us in this space, we're talking about redemption. We're talking about trauma. We're talking about the, the inner demons and working through them. That makes sense in my mind to address there's mm-hmm. something dark within Colossus. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it'll be drawn out of him or they'll be able to see it in some way in here. But I also think it might just be a way for him to reframe his relationship with Ileana and see her in a different light. Hmm. That'd be good, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that they are both growing in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That wasn't even all the books that came out this week. I know. It just feels like an overload. It's a lot. You know, it's like... I love talking about all of them and I want to talk about all of them, but not all at once. When does it <laughs> wait? Like how many issues is enough issues for one episode? How many is too many? I think honestly, I, I think four is pushing it. That's why I was thinking that we would have kicked Eve of judgment to the first episode, but the hellfire gala was just so long. It was so much happening. And I loved it. Like, and I'm the not- way that hellfire and judgment, uh, the way that Hell- Hellfire and Immortal X-Men tied together was, was just perfect. a nice nugget of something together. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have changed anything with that because I just felt like they were speaking to each other in very interesting ways that then laid the groundwork for Eve of Judgment. Mm-hmm. And then that was like, oh, okay. Because you didn't even, you read these issues just before we recorded. As I usually do. So there was this hanging unknown of... What's next? Is that story going to be? Changed? I yeah. I even said when we were recording about Immortal, oh, I wonder when we'll find out what happened to Sinister because I had already read it. I I read them immediately. Yeah, well, I usually try to read all of the comics in one day, the day that we record. And even if we're going to record multiple episodes, I usually still read all of them on Thursdays. But just been this week, last very week, busy with work, so craziness. It's all good, but you know. It's been hard to keep up with the comics, so I'm glad that that I did and I read them and I did have a little bit of like anxious, like, okay, when do I get to read the stories? And, and you know, once you get past a certain point, you can't expect people to not talk about it or post about it on the internet. So right. then you have to be kidding. Not that I've even had time to scroll through the internet. Sure. So you never know. But I always have that, oh God, have I waited too long? Is someone going to post something? I have resisted. You're kind. Because <laughs> I know that you would get mad at me. Well, you know, I also have to understand that the people who interact with our social media would probably want to talk about things. And just because I'm behind in the times doesn't mean they should have to suffer. So, I mean, I I also had Daredevil this week. Oh, yeah. That was really good. There's a Captain Carter that I haven't read. Sitting on that table. wonder what's going to happen with uh, Lizzie, a.k.a. Betsy. Lizzie McGuire. No. Hey, what's coming in and just, I mean, this probably won't go up until Tuesday. I was like, tomorrow? Right. Um, I don't know. What's coming? Want me to look in the back of the book? Judgment Day number one. Oh, already? I told you it's coming. Oh, my goodness, gravy. I mean, it will likely be a big issue, mm-hmm. hopefully. And Knights of X number four. Ooh. That's it. That's it. Thank well, that's fine. That's, that's good. We need we need a reprieve week. But I'm excited about Knights of X number four. I'm almost at the like the mindset of, hey, next time this happens, Marvel, just just let like Marauders go to the next week. That's fine. <laughs> oh. Wolverine could have gone to the next week. That's right. fine. You know, it, it it wasn't 
We didn't have to have all of them. This Playing week. off the big story, right? right? Yeah. Overload. In but the best way. But then you get way. those people who those are their books. Sure. They're waiting for them. They don't read all of them. You know, not everybody reads them all. We do. We do. I bet you all do. So until next time, old friend. Charles. You have a baby you didn't know about. It's a robot. That's kind of your thing, though. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 